It's me, David Webb, and here's a highlight from today's show on Sirius XM Patriot. The Ukrainian government has sent buses to evacuate uh, civilians from uh, Mariupol after Russia agreed to open a humanitarian car to Russia, by the way, saying that they should just also come over into Russia because that's what you want to do. You want to put Ukrainian nationals into Russian territory. You know what they call those? Hostages. I'll simplify it for you. Representative Pat Fallon from Texas's 4th District joins me. Uh, his recent trip to Eastern Europe, to Poland and Romania, where they've taken in a lot of these refugees. Uh, Congressman, great to have you here on the show. Oh, David, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. All right, let's go right to it. Uh, You've seen some of these refugee assistance centers in Poland and in Romania. Your observations? Well, you know, David, at any time there's 10 million human beings displaced, it's heart-wrenching. And uh, 6 million are still in Ukraine, 4 million are refugees in other countries. But it's also heartwarming to see how they have been received in Europe, particularly in Poland and Romania and Moldova, the three countries we visited. In Poland, there are no major refugee camps because the Polish people have opened up their homes to 2 million. That's 5% of their entire population. They've taken them into their homes and, uh, and really just shown how big their hearts are. The same in Moldova, the poorest country in Europe. They, get, they took in 400,000 Ukrainians, and there's only 2.7 million Moldovans. So it's really, they've set an example. And, you know, most of these Ukrainians, they were well the majority, they're women and children, and they fully intend to return home. These are not economic migrants. These are war refugees. It's a completely different, you know, animal altogether. And, uh, you know, just to do no fault of their own and through the evil of one man, they are going through this tragedy. You know, it's something that we'll get to a little bit later when we get to our southern border and the Texas border, part of that. But, you know, when the refugees left the Ukraine, 18 or basically 16 to 65-year-old males were asked to stay behind and fight. And by most observation, they did. The women and children, the grandparents, the infirmed in some way were crossing as refugees. I'm not surprised having not only known many people from that region of the world for most of my life, that there is a common view, a cultural, there may be linguistic differences, uh, language differences, but, you know, the Slavic nations, these nations that have survived communism, have more in common than with each other than they do with Russia. When you were there talking, yes, to the officials, but to the people, uh, from a cultural observation, did you see something similar to that? Yeah, no, there's no doubt. They, uh, you know, it's interesting that 30 years ago, all these Eastern European countries, when they gained their independence, NATO didn't go to them, David, and ask them to join. They came to NATO because they feared a resurgent Russian bear. And so the people, particularly the Ukrainians and the Poles, are really tied together, as you said, culturally, because for uh, many decades, they were part of the same country. So their language is very close, and they do share those cultures. So they're almost like cousins in a way, and I think that's one of the reasons why they've been probably so open to, uh, you know, helping them out. But also the Romanians, there's 22 million Romanians. They lived under the thumb of communism for over half a century. And they have no intention of going back and living, you know, under the sphere of influence of Vladimir Putin. They do not like him. And they're, you know, you know going to arm themselves to the teeth. 
And six of the 10 NATO countries, by the way, David, that actually spend 2% or more of their GDP on defense are former communist bloc countries because they know the threat. To that, uh, if you cross over to the Russian border or inside Russia, the people are not universally behind Vladimir Putin. And to the comments you just made, uh, even under Putin, there was a different period of at least the recognition of freedom for many Russian people versus what they experienced under communism. So is there an opportunity here to use information warfare to drive like we did with the Voice of Europe, with Voice of America, to drive a message to the Russian people that this is Putin's war and that they're paying the price, not just in blood, but they will pay the price as their economy takes more hits. No, and David, I think that's the you know warfare and it, going forward. This is going to be it's a you know an information dissemination, if you will, dissemination rather of uh, race and Putin, you know, owns the media in Russia now and he's tightening his grip on it. But because of technology, because of social media, because of quite frankly, cell phones and other, you know, things that we've had for a while, we can try to do everything we can to get that message out because his, you know, he's lying to the Russian people. And when they get to know the truth, uh, we can do some very interesting things. Can't get into it specifically because I'm on the cyber subcommittee uh, on armed services, but uh, you know, yeah, there's an opportunity there for sure. All right. Obviously, a Texas representative, my guest, Representative Pat Fallon from Texas's fourth district. Uh, there's a decision coming today from the C- from the CDC. They will either end or extend Title 42. The administration has uh, promised that they would end it by May. Uh, where we are right now with the flood, we've already seen close to a million that we know of cross our borders in fiscal year 2022. Uh, where are we and what do you expect? Do you think they will extend it? Uh, what What do you expect? Well, they definitely want to end it because they're woke liberals and they're catering to their far left. Now, I, I, I suspect they will, um, but it's tragic policy because what Joe, what Joe Biden has already done it made every state a border state, all 50 states. And President Trump had taken that flood of illegal immigration and, and reduced it to a trickle. And then as soon as Joe Biden got into office, it became a flood again. For the first time in our history, we've had 11 months in a row of over 150,000 illegal border crossings, as you said, as we know of. And we know of 2 million in a calendar year, historically high record of illegal border crossings. And yet deportations are down 70%. That's what liberals do. They, oh, they have, we have a de facto open border right now. And I, I think it's interesting that many Democrats in the border states are calling, in fact, the two Democratic senators from Arizona are calling for a continuation of Title 42 because they know they're going to pay for it. Uh, the price is, it will be paid for at the polls come this November. See, I question that at times. Is it really a concern as much? I'm not saying it isn't a concern over the price at the polls, as you put it. But if the agenda keeps moving forward from the open borders crowd, if you continue to balkanize, balkanize Americans community, American communities, which mixes into blended family units, blended communities, you're creating a problem that is uh, hopefully too big to be addressed, reversed, and that pushes the public more in the direction over time, not just in an election cycle. And to yourself as a member of Congress on the Republican side, and to the Republicans, 
are is the leadership and the Republican Party in Congress taking a look at this from a strategic point where the Democrats and the left are getting their way and the election cycle is just a stopping point along it? So, yeah, let me answer that in two parts. Yes, I do believe that, like, for instance, the senators in Arizona, they're just doing it out of expediency, and then they'll be all four open borders again once they win a six-year term. Um, but what's happening is something no- nobody really foresaw, which is at least in Texas, the border communities are almost overwhelmingly Hispanic, 85 to 95 percent Hispanic. They're, go- they're turning to the Republican Party in droves because, David, they are sick of the chaos, the corruption, and the damn cartels. And I mean, we had a, a Republican or a Democratic state rep, Ryan Gian, switch parties. He's right on the border. There is a chance, Tony Gonzalez, a, a Republican member of Congress, we're going to win Congressional District 15. Monica De La Cruz is running. We might win all four. There is a chance that we literally have Republican members in all four of the Congressional Border District in Texas because people want to live. They're, on, they're, they're Americans, and they want to live under a rule of law. And if you're not safe, then you're not free. And they'd rather have the United States government. Uh, you know, protecting and defending the border rather than the Mexican drug cartels. Yeah, I understand that. And, and the switches are important. They need to be bigger and more in number. But even that said, we have some open border Republicans that have offered amnesty as a path forward. I mean, I, I understand diversity in the party, but on principle, the Republican Party is supposed to be against and is against, as a platform, open borders, uh, illegal immigration. But now we have, what, some six reported members of Congress, not the majority, but still six reported members of Congress offering amnesty and amnesty for DACA participants as a part of a, I mean, it will probably won't go far, but as part of a proposal. Well, we filed legislation in our office that's commonsensical. Number one, let's take the world's best legally, the legal immigration. So do away with the lottery system. The 55,000 green cards are literally pulled out of a hat, and uh, people are coming to this country. We don't even know who the hell they are. That's ridiculous. Get, get rid of that right away. Do merit-based immigration only. If you overstay your visa, be fined $1,000 a day. You can't even come back to the country for five years. You can't have an asylum claim for 10 and you can't apply for a green card for 15. And we also uh, redefine and narrow what credible fear is. Now, that's a common sensible bill. It will get nowhere in Nancy Pelosi's house. But when we do take over uh, the, the chamber in November, I really want to pass that legislation uh, next year and force Biden to veto it so that he can pay the price at the polls in 24. Well, I certainly hope that. You know, someone in your party speaking to whether it's uh, Representative Salazar, who sponsored this bill, Dan Newhouse, John Curtis, Pete Sessions, or fellow Republican in Texas, uh, Jennifer Gonzalez Colon, Tom Reed in New York, and Peter Meyer, because the idea of going against the very legal principles and facts when it comes to illegal immigration and going against the party flat platform is not acceptable. There can be differences in discussions and different approaches, but offering amnesty is not what Republicans are supposed to be about. Uh, Moving to another angle on the border crisis, we see tens of thousands, an estimated 73,000 in Tapachula. 
if they begin to make their way forward, and they likely they will do this before the really hot season along the southern border, that means that there is possibly a three to five week window before we go before we see an estimated seven or so thousand dollars, seven or so thousand illegal aliens a day come into our southern border. Your reaction to that flood that's coming? I mean, uh, David, it's, it's outrage because it's being a member of the Texas legislature for eight years. I saw the cost and the impact of illegal immigration. It stresses our it stresses all our resources, but particularly in the uh, the, the school system. Um, there is unfortunately, although obviously most of the migrants that come across the border aren't uh, criminals by any stretch. There is an element. I don't know what the percentage is. One to three percent. That's a criminal element. They prey on the very people that they cross the border with. And then that stresses law enforcement and then the judicial system um, in the courts. So it's, it's, it costs just in Texas into the tens of billions of dollars. And we are already a debtor nation. If people hadn't noticed, apparently the Democrats haven't. We got a $30 trillion debt and it's growing. And then Biden comes out with his budget where he apparently doesn't understand that we're spending more than we take in. So it's, it's not healthy. And you know what, to, to your point earlier, I'm rooting for the 3.8 million people across the world that are waiting in their home country legally, waiting to come to this country the right way, respecting the rules and the laws of the country that they become a part of. Democrats never seem to talk about those folks because letting these people, mass unlawful migration, letting these people cut the line is un-American and it's patently unfair. It is patently unfair. It is economic suicide, cultural suicide. It is a deliberate effort. And watch carefully and share with your fellow members that the election cycle doesn't matter to the progressive open borders movement. It's that they keep moving forward. If Republicans don't approach it that way, the price will be paid by America. Period. End of story. And it'll be a heavy price. Representative Fallon, thank you. You can join me live on The David Webb Show Monday to Friday, 9 to noon east on Sirius XM Patriot 125.